Rogue Radio. Now available on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com forward slash rogue country. Keep it rogue. What's going on, guys? Of course, keep it rogue. This week, the week this podcast launches, Rogue Country are going to have some fucking exciting, phenomenal news to share with you all. And I really can't wait for you guys to find out. I've been working hard to put this together, and I really can't wait to share with you the future of Rogue Country and live music in the UK. If you're a fan of country and roots and Americana, you're going to fucking love these announcements. So please stay tuned on the Rogue Country Facebook page. In the meantime, Vandals, how are you guys doing? I'm Mike West. I'm recording this on the 29th of September. I get married in three days. It's fucking crazy. And before this week, I've been on tour. I've been really busy in September with the mighty Cam Cole. I opened for him in Liverpool, Birmingham, Glasgow, and Edinburgh. And I can't thank Cam and Marcus, his manager, enough for bringing me along for the ride because it has been some of the best shows I've ever played to. The crowds have been fantastic. The merch has been actually selling, which is phenomenal. And I can't thank everyone who came to those shows enough. Obviously, I'm not the reason people went. Cam is the headliner, rightfully so, because he's fucking phenomenal. He's built up this incredibly loyal fan base that is just so great to watch from like the side of the stage and just see the reaction he brings about and people. And just to be able to open those shows has been amazing. It's been lucky that, you know, people have been receptive to my music and you don't always get that. You don't always know what's going to happen when you're a support slot. And I just couldn't have wished for a better run of shows. So thank you so much, Cam. Um, Edinburgh and Glasgow were sold out. I then went to London to play with 10 Sheds. That was sold out. And, you know, I can't take any credit for these, but it feels fucking good to be able to say that three of those shows in September were completely sold out. Obviously, while I was on the road with Cam, I had to get him onto the podcast. So we have an amazing chat. But before we get to that, this podcast is, of course, brought to you today by my debut record, The Next Life. If you saw me on Cam's tour, I had copies there. People bought them and people were really kind about it, man. You know, I didn't expect people to buy merch, but they did and they did it in droves, which I can't thank people enough for. I'm going to drop a little teaser here for you now. Am I free? didn't pick up a copy there don't worry you can go to mike333west.com and you'll be able to pick up your own copy there on my band camp link through the facebook wherever you want we've got you covered but september's been a trip man it's been tiring but i've been grateful to do it i think i traveled like 1700 miles and i got to play in you know scotland which i haven't played for ages and then i did london and after london i drove back home had two hours sleep and then did a liverpool gig the set is up on youtube if you want to go check it out on collect and survive a pop record store in liverpool that was amazing but yeah man i'm looking forward to having a couple of weeks off i'm going to be scheduling a ton of posts so i don't have to touch things but i'm so glad i got to sit down with cam cole cam 
is a really fucking nice dude. He's really interested in the conversations we got to have in between the shows and when we were going for food and stuff beforehand was just amazing to see the reaction to his shows from the crowd was just amazing to see him on his way to such great things and he's already doing fucking kill him and those shows have sold out he i know he's just gonna rock it until you know he expands to his other projects as we get onto it in the podcast and it's just a really fucking good talk so without further ado oh by the way i've changed the intro i've dropped out my talking over the music so it's just a music intro to ease you into this without further ado this is episode 41 of into the band Mike West and Cam Cole. We're recording now, but um, yeah, do you listen to many podcasts or anything on your um, drives or anything? What what do you fill your spaces with when you like? Mainly, it's just listening to tunes. To be honest, it's yeah, I don't really listen to that many podcasts. To be honest, I mean, I have listened to them before in the past. Mm. Um. But uh, to be honest with you, I've, I've listened to most of the podcasts I've listened to has been ones with myself because yeah. I've been interviewed or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, it's not something I usually do. No. Yeah, it's, it's mainly I just listen to my own playlists. Yeah. And when I get bored of my of the tunes I've heard a million times, I try and find new music if I can. Mm. What, you know. Yeah. What have you been spinning like lately? What's been on your playlists? Um, I've got a few different playlists. I've got one which is like folk music, one which is rock, one which is like uh, metal. Mm. Uh, and then I've got like the subgenres. So I've got like stoner rock, <laughs> yeah. grunge, do you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, blues rock as well. That's another one of my playlists. Uh, but on the rock playlist, that's like the biggest, that's the, that's, that's all the tunes basically yeah. of all the subgenres <laughs> and everything. So I just play that if I want to hear a mixture of yeah. more, you know? Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. And obviously this is your first tour. How's the experience been? It's like, it's hard sometimes because I know with gigs and tours, mm. you don't really want to go in with expectations of things. Yeah, yeah. What's it kind of like? Did you have any preconceptions before you started like doing this? When you started booking this? Um, I don't think I did actually. No, no, I don't. I don't think I did. Um, I t- well, I tell you what, the the gig I did before the tour, which was like a, um, I think it was the album release gig. Mm. So it was like the pre-tour gig. Uh, that one really got me ready for the tour because. It's been like a couple of years since I played because of the lockdown and everything. Since I played yeah. to, to, the, to my fan base, and my fan base has grown a lot since then. And like the last couple of gigs I did in 2019, there might have been about 20 people in mm. a room uh, who were like, you know, knew the lyrics to the songs, that kind of thing. Uh, whereas when I came when, after lockdown, I did that first gig, it was like 100 people in the room. So it really took me a while to surprise. It took mm. me a while to settle into the space yeah. for that gig. Uh, but after I got that show out of the way. Uh, every gig, every gig on the tour, I've been pretty comfortable. Yeah. Uh, it's been nice. It's been a nice learning curve. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like a like a, uh, it's my first like proper tour, I suppose, because I've toured before in the past, mm. but it's never been to this size fan base or yeah. audience. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think that's 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 it really. I don't think I had any other expectations or anything. Oh. No. Cool, man. And what do you think like moved the needle during lockdown to like where you got exposed to, like more people and stuff? I'm not sure, man. I think that. I've, I think the snowball was already in place from yeah. so many years on the road, just busking in every mm. possible town, bus, busking every single weekend, playing with the gigs uh, that I did play, and yeah, just doing everything that I did. I was constantly busy, constantly active. Yeah. And it would, as I said, like there was, I was already filling rooms with about 20 people at the time. I just started to do gigs in 2019. For yeah. years, I didn't do any gigs, I didn't bother with them, because I was just like, this is pointless, and playing to empty rooms, no mm. one's coming, I haven't got a following, I haven't got a fan base, so I just played on the streets, you know? Mm. Um, 
and uh, yeah, when I started to get people coming in through the door, when uh, me and my manager were trying it out, um, yeah, it was it was a good indication that the snowball was definitely rolling, mm. you know. And I've, I've I've had loads of people messaging me from other parts of the world, like USA and stuff like that, um, from that sno that same snowball. So I think it was already kind of going. Yeah. I think you know, two years is a long time, and I reckon it would have grown regardless, mm. you know. And then there was that Ted Lasso thing I did as well. Uh, but that again, that was that was in 2019. I think that came out in 2020. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, I think regardless, I think it would have been the yeah. same. To be honest, yeah. uh, everyone always thinks there's going to be one the moment. One thing that like tens of. Yeah, yeah, but it's not. It's lots and lots of things. You yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was the interesting thing, man. When I was playing Birmingham with you the other day, loads of people came up to me and were like, "So is this your first tour?" I was like, "No, I've been like around <laughs> yeah, for a while." Yeah. And you're like, "Yeah, but." I've not heard of you before and I was like because you've not come to any of my gigs yeah exactly but it's like it. just it, it is it's like until people are exposed to you they don't realise you've been around mm -hmm. while it's a really yeah that's weird, it like, they think you've just suddenly just turned up it's like yeah. no, no I've been here 20 years mate <laughs> <laughs> playing in this venue <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's such a weird like it is like it's seven years to be an overnight success but yeah with your stuff with it being a one-man band and things, when did you start adding the drums in? Was that like you did it all part and parcel? Were you playing the guitar first and then brought in like the percussion later, or was it all you decided to bring it all in in one go? Yeah, it was. Um, what it was as I used to play with a drummer, mm. and I had like it was still under the name Cam Cole because I did bands and stuff in the past, and, and I struggled with that. And I was like, oh, I'm just gonna do my own solo thing and, and get in musicians. And so I did that with a few different drummers for a while. Um, and then it just it started to get into that same band scenario, yeah. to be honest, of politics and bullshit. So what I did was, I think at that point, is I um, I just had like a stripped down blues set. And I basically what I did is I put a just a, a stomp box that I mm. made out of a guitar pickup and uh, build a wooden box with a metal top. And then you put a pickup underneath the metal uh, top bit and then plug it in basically, it's a mm. stomp box. And um, yeah, I was I was playing that for like a, a year or so, a couple of years. And to be honest, I didn't really put too much attention on the show at that point. For the yeah. first like three years, I didn't really give a give a monkeys to be honest. I had like about a set of five songs. I like, go out and busk, and that made me my money yeah. throughout the week. And I was living in a van, you know. And uh, it just started to grow. And I think the reason, do you know how it grew, right? I, I remember what it was. I, I was busking this one place in the Tate Modern, mm. which is um, it's on South Bank, which is basically on the Thames. And there's an art gallery called the Tate Modern. And I was busking there, it was one of my spots. And the council came out to me and said, my stomp box is too loud, you've got to change it. And I was like, I had a bit of an argument with them. And eventually I was like, all right, okay, I'll do it. I'll keep the spot and I'll keep playing here. I'll just change it, I'll get something that's a bit not so loud. So I changed it for a tambourine. It's one of those little foot tambourines. Yeah. So that was, that was when it started to change and it was not because I intended it to. And then all of a sudden I had a tambourine and a stomp box. So at that busking spot, which I played there during the week, I played just with a tambourine, but on the weekends, I now had a tambourine and a stomp yeah. box. And at first, I put the tambourine on the same foot that I was playing with the stomp box. And then I realised if I stick the tambourine on the other foot and I have to take a seat with me and I sit down, mm. I could get different beat combinations because I was getting very bored of playing the same five tunes. They were my own songs, and I yeah. kind of, I think I see might have been one of them. Um, I think Mama was in there as well, and the other songs I, I don't think they ever made it onto the mm. IC album. They were just just blues jams, basically. Um, and uh, yeah, the moment I sat down and I had a tambourine on one foot and a stomp box on the other, and I think I changed the stomp box like a year later or six months later to a, a tom mm. drum that I turned into a bass drum, basically, and I, and I had a kick pedal for it. 
when I changed it to that, I was like, this is interesting. Mm. You know what I mean? Because, like, I actually learned. I think I think the drums were my first instrument. Actually, I kind of learned music through the drums and mm. through rhythm. Um, and then I picked up the guitar later. So once I realised that, I was like, well, if I get different beats, and I've always loved drumming. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, I thought, well, what if I actually become the drummer that I've been looking for? You know what I mean? Mm. Instead of like, you know, trying to get band projects going. And all the meantime, while this is going on, as I say, this was, this show was just like to to make me money in the yeah. weekends. During the week, I was trying to put a band together, but that never happened. You know, so um, yeah, like I think once I realised that, then I got interested into the idea. Then I typed in one man band instruments into Google. Mm. Um, and my following was starting to, to build up. This is when it was starting to build up when I when I changed it to that one. And yeah. also people starting to get to know who I was because I've been busking for so many years just as this blues man mm. on the side of the street kind of thing. Um, and then when I yeah, when I typed in one man band instruments, a few various things came up and the farmer foot drum was the one that stood out and was mm. like, Okay, that looks like you could really fucking have it. Yeah. And then I realised you could just get a symbol there and then you could actually have a rock moment. Do you know what I mean? I can have a fucking chorus. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I was sold. Yeah, man. Uh, Were there many like one man band people that you were kind of influenced by also? Because I know uh, like there's Possessed by Paul James, mm-hmm. American guy who's just, like sits on a chair, he's got like a really long plank of wood that's one of the percussion things. Mm-hmm. There's like Hollow Belly with the bass drum. Were any of those folks kind of that you like stumbled across or you'd been listening to? Well, it it was C6 Steve mm-hmm. when he came on Jules Holland and did the Doghouse Boogie. I remember when that happened and I was just like, wow, that blew me away. You know, mm. but it's a bit of a one-trick pony, I find, because like it works well with that song. Yeah. Now you need to find nine other songs that it works with that setup. That's quite hard to do yeah. actually. Um, so, yeah, to have an entire set of ones like that is is quite difficult. So I kind of my influence only it only went to that yeah. point. You know what I mean? It didn't it it didn't go beyond that. Um, and that's why, like I say, to to have a more um, expressive drum kit as a one-man band yeah. allows you to be influenced by other artists that maybe aren't even one-man bands, mm. you know? And that's, if you get influenced, let's say, by different bands that are like three-piece, five-piece, and then you try and do your own take on their music, it's going to sound completely different yeah. because you're you're so much more limited. So um, then you come up with your own sound, you know? And that's mm. what that's what that was what was interesting for me was developing my own sound with mm. this one-man band thing, yeah. you know? Something I've been looking for for so long. Yeah. It's like my own signature sound, you know? No, definitely, man, because I've, like... I've known and I've listened to a load of different things and I've tried to do a stomp box and like a kick drum for my own shit mm. and I don't know it's just because I'm not in my head it's just not something I can like do while playing so it's just yeah. this straightforward like dun 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 like it doesn't really get much yeah. and that which after like a song will get boring as fuck yeah, but yeah I remember yeah. the first video I saw of you was the Extinction Rebellion one yeah, yeah. with uh, the mama song. and the fucking fill you did there was like fuck like holy shit but with that contraption that you play now like how long did it take you to kind of build that? To get it, what well, to, to to build it? What is in my in, to, in myself to, to, to kind learn. of like think about what you needed and what you wanted, and then to actually create the thing. Right. Okay. Um, I guess it was. I try. I think. I think I tried out a few different things. Mm. So I think actually no. Do you know what it was? I immediately knew because the farmer foot drum it comes with. You can either have a tambourine on one of the pedals on mm. the left hand side. You can either have a tambourine or you can have a hi hat. Uh, and I, I, I chose a tambourine to go there because I didn't. W- if you have a hi hat, you'd only be uh, closing it and opening it. Yeah. Whereas what, what I really wanted was an open hi hat being hit with a stick. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I, I kind of went and I couldn't get that. So I was like, okay, on the left hand side, I, 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 the only thing I can get is either uh, an opening and closing t- um, hi hat or a tambourine. So I was like, fuck it, I'll go for a tambourine. And actually, that was actually the best move I made. 
and I was I was going to try lots of different things until I got it right. Mm. But that was actually the best decision I made because that wasn't that was a really good one of keeping the time just with those small beats, you know. Yeah. And it gave me a signature sound like there's always a tambourine going on usually in the in the verses. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and then yeah, when, when I realised I needed the cymbal as well the, on the next left hand pedal. That was another game changer because then yeah then i could fucking have it properly you yeah. know and sound like no one man band has actually ever sounded um and then yeah i just went for a jingle stick on the other side i'm gonna i'm gonna get a cowbell involved as well <laughs> i think that's that's mm. the next thing i'm gonna do for the third album um but yeah i think it was to be honest with you it's 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 the setup is important but it was the amount of time it took me practicing yeah that got it right mm. you know what I mean it was uh, trying to figure out the beats that worked best with the songs and you take it song by song you know what mm. I mean you've got this one riff where it's like maybe it needs I don't know four to the floor or maybe it needs an actual broken beat or something and mm. it's working out what works the best and some of the beats man, if you, when it's in your head and you're trying to actually get it down like I've spent days on a beat trying to get it right and it's still not there you know and then you come back to it a few weeks later and it's still not there there's one beat that I unlocked actually for the third mm. album recently over lockdown because I had so much fucking spare time it was a beat that I never thought was possible and I spent a few more weeks on it and that's something I, I tried like years ago when I first mm. got the foot drum and I'd be like I just disregarded the beat I was like nah it's not possible this is the li- this is the boundaries this is the limitations yeah. of one man banding and then I managed to unlock it in, in lockdown so I was like fucking sick and then all these new riffs kind of came out as a result you know mm. So yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's song by song and rhythm by rhythm, mm. you know. Um, but yeah, just trying to get it tight—that's the other thing. Yeah, you know, trying to and not sloppy. No, if possible. Yeah, and with recording, I see in Crocodile, did you record all of that in one go and basically one takes, or did you split up the drumming sides and the guitar sides to try and you know just focus on them a bit more, or how did you record them? It was one take kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, just recording the the bass guitar track and the drums in one, mm. like. I see. We we started that actually with me singing as well at the same time, but unfortunately the uh, vocals um, bled through to the snare. Oh yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, the snare bled through onto the vocals actually. Mm. Um, so we ended up not ha- not doing it like that and re-recording the vocals later. But ideally, in an ideal world, I'd like to just record it in one vocals, everything, just mm. get it all in one, try and get a magic take as I do live, you know. Um, but. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's sometimes I think on the second album as well we did some. Um, uh, over, uh, I I went over the guitar tracks with mm. the second guitar track, not a third, just a second guitar track, just to thicken up the guitar yeah. sound. And also you can't do that on the slide. It has to be on the songs where there's no slide because mm. with a slide it's, it sounds like it's out of tune, you know. So yeah. when there's slide involved in the song, that's just one guitar and the same guitar that was played with, uh, with the drums. Mm. Um, yeah, but it's, it's nice to have that layered guitar sound for sure. Yeah, I always think because I double up my acoustic stuff, obviously, if it's not a slide and things, because mm. it just it just gives you that thicker sound. But yeah. you don't want to be like to the point where it's like five or six or something where it just gets obscene. But it's just something yeah. to just like subtly thicken out that you can live kind of compensate for with the room and stuff. Mm-hmm. But with the recording, it is like you just need to chuck a bit extra on there. Yeah, yeah. And do you think with the kind of like how it's progressing and with not necessarily the need for a band but you'll have like this autonomy of yourself would you bring in someone to take over the drums at some point or do you think the one man band format for you will like stick with it until until eternity until eternity (laughs) (laughs) I don't know man it's something I've been thinking about definitely this last few months Um, and something I've spoken about with with Marcus my um, uh, producer and, and manager 
and uh, yeah, it's like at some point it's going to have to change into something. Whether it be I keep uh, my solo project and just bring in mm. musicians, session musicians, essentially, yeah, and uh, go that way, or whether I just keep it as a one-man band forever. And if I have all the other ideas that I have that can't be done in a one-man band yeah. setup, I then ha- I then start a band or start mm. a few different bands. You know, um, one thing I found very frustrating before anyone knew who, who I was and, and what I could do, uh, was trying to work with musicians that didn't give enough of a shit. So I'm hoping I'll get uh, to a point where my reputation allows me so I yeah. don't, I filter through those mm. kind of people and get to work with um, musicians who are keen and yeah. who are, you know, professional. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I haven't really made my mind up. Mm. I think I'm more, to be honest, I'm more keen with about the idea of starting new projects and new bands. Yeah. Uh, but I might change that at any mm. point, you know? Cool, man. And how did you and Marcus meet? He saw me busking. Oh, yeah? Years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He saw me busking. Um, and, um, yeah, offered to mix... Um, Mix one of my album, just yeah, do me an album basically, mm. and he, he he helped me with the one of the first busking albums, and then a few years later I came back to him and I was like, look, um, I, I could I've actually got a bit of a following now. I'd like I need to make a proper album with the foot drum, and would you like to manage it? And he mm. said yes, and then we've been doing oh. that ever since. That's so cool, man. And what do you think? Like, he's kind of brought to the because he did the production side mm. of things as well. What do you think he kind of brought in that you necessarily not necessarily if you were too close to it to see or did he give you like a perspective or a sound that you were looking for? Um, Marcus is is one of these really great producers and mixers that just tries to capture mm. uh, what it is that I do. Um, he, he he'll make suggestions at times, but he he like me serves the song. Yeah, and that's the main that's the only reason. Well, that's not the only reason, but it's one of the main reasons I work with him is that he serves the song. Mm. You know. Um, yeah, like I, I found a lot of producers and managers in the past want to just put their two cents in, in just to get it in. So yeah. then they have they say, oh, I, 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 I helped with that song, or I, I co-wrote, or I mm. co-produced, or something. And they're not thinking about what is actually serving the song. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so it's, it's he'll only ever suggest something when there's a bit in the song where it's like it's lacking. I'm getting yeah. bored at this part for some reason. Then he'll make suggestions. We try it. I also make suggestions. We work together in that way. Until it works, until it gets to the point where it's like we both hear it and we go, that, that's right. We keep suggesting stuff. Or we abandon it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. You know? Um, but yeah. And in, in terms of like mixing, he will, he'll do a mix that that he he feels is right and then I might suggest some certain yeah. things but it's I'm only suggesting stuff because I'm I'm trying to figure out if they, if it might sound better if we do it like this or that the other and then he might do the same we kind of work together mm. it neither of what I like about how we work is that neither of us feel as though we're in charge of it yeah. that the song is in charge of what yeah, of, of exactly it. you know it's what like I mean? you're you're both seeing what that song needs at that point it's not yeah. about an ego or exactly. perspective to be like well I told him to put the tambourine there yeah. or whatever yeah exactly. Cool, exactly and did you get many people approaching you on the street while you were busking to like off the world <laughs> thousands honestly so many so many people there's so many nutters out there man so many nutters and some of them you know they you know they, they, they trick you and you you believe it and then you go around to their house and have a meeting and then you realize oh fuck this is bullshit and that's lucky yeah you know you end up signing that piece of paper that they give you then you're fucks yeah like <laughs> you know? did, how many times did you actually end up in someone's house or in an office uh i think trying, like... i think that only happened it happened mostly when I was younger mm. so back in my early 20s I did that a lot because I wanted an easy route and once I had a, a, 
some bullshit scenario happened to me a few years ago with uh, a management team and and just all the all the experience I had of managers up to that point and and music industry people you know wankers <laughs> basically um, was a terrible experience so after a while I was like I don't give a fuck actually I don't even want to be a rock star at this point yeah. like, I don't give a shit I just want to play so I ignored every single one of them that came up to me from that mm. point for about three to four years and that was when I was doing the um, that was when the one man band stuff was evolving you know mm. um, and yeah it's interesting because I think the moment you just not focus on that but focus on playing music to people you yeah. know that's when you start to get a fan base because that's what you should be focusing on as a, mm. as a musician I think um, yeah so many musicians I find are so just warped and well they just so, they, they concentrate all of their time on trying to find the person to make them successful yeah. but it's not it's, it's not what it's about and really you should be focusing on just playing you know yeah it's too many artists think that the manager will bring the fans in yeah yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's never gonna happen. Like I've never. seen like so many artists who have like they're not doing badly, mm. but it's like they aren't bringing in like even 10, 20 people to a show. Yeah, yeah. And they're starting to get managers, and you're just like, that's not gonna benefit anyone in the long run. That's just gonna benefit the managers of Fleecy Dry. Absolutely, yeah, man. But with obviously busking and stuff, so you toured before, not at this level or with mm. these venues. How much tour had you been up to? Have you been up to Edinburgh before? Yeah, yeah, I played the Fringe Festival a few years ago. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played. Well, it was just on the street. Like I didn't have a gig or anything. But um, yeah, I, I played up the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I played uh, most towns and cities in England. I played. I mean, mm. I've done like busking tours. You know, yeah. you do your own tour. You don't get any gigs. You fuck it. I'll put do my own tour. Mm. You know what I mean? I'll just drive to various places and just yeah. set my shit up and play, you know? And after time, it's better than a fucking tour, especially in the early days, because it's, you know, you, I played to like 200 people on the street as opposed to, you know, a room with, you know, playing to the barmaid yeah. and some dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That was always kind of my viewpoint was like, I wasn't busking, but it was, I, I wouldn't tour a venue at all, like a bar yeah. or a coffee shop. Yeah, or yeah. something that already has like a pre-built audience in because if yeah, you're like, that's if, it. if I wouldn't come here and play Sneaky Pete's because I have to sell tickets that no one's going to give a shit yeah, but yeah, I'll yeah. go and play a bar that's going to have people in at that that's night it. to try and win them over yeah. and it's the same thing with the street I think but with street busking do you have to adjust your set or do you have any kind of thoughts as you're going into a street gig that would be different to it like, like tonight at Sneaky Pete's well, it, yeah, it depends on the gig. So it's like, you know, there's gigs where you're playing to a, uh, a crowd of people that don't... If there is a crowd of people in the gig, but they don't know your music. And that's kind of similar to a busking gig, but not exactly the mm. same. Because in a busking gig, you know, people are walking by and you kind of got to stop them for a start. They're not there to see any music. Yeah. Uh, so that's the only difference. And then, of course, there's a gig where people are there to see you. So then there's the, the expectation. And that's what kind of floored me and threw me mm. a little bit on my first gig after lockdown. Um, but yeah, like the, the, that, that's the main differences, you know, and in a way the street is actually something that I prefer the most, mm. especially once you've got a show that, you know, works, you know, cause when you're setting up, you've just got this little smirk on your face <laughs> knowing that like, you know, the moment you start playing it's going to be a fucking party here, you know, and these people don't know, but you know, yeah. you know, and then there's the show within the show, mm. the, the show within the show is, is how you are experiencing the show. Mm. And that's, what's really interesting, you know? Uh, you know, you kind of know what's coming, and it's like a little game you're playing with the crowd, you know. Um, so yeah, busking's busking's an interesting art, and also playing a gig as well to a crowd of people that don't know 
your music that's yeah. always a fun one as well especially when you've got your show down you know if you're not rehearsed enough and you feel not, like lacking confidence and stuff like that it's not not so nice obviously mm. uh, but once you've got your shit together and you know you're gonna you're gonna smash it that's that's also really really nice and really exciting mm. you know, I like those kind of shows yeah. um, it took me a little bit of time to get into playing to a crowd that knew all my tunes and were expecting something because then the, obviously the idea is try to exceed their expectations yeah. you know smash it anyway smash it even harder if you can um, but yeah, that's 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 the aim of the game, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, that's been the really fun thing with this tour is obviously everyone's here to see you. Yeah. So I'm just like the person who's like the unknown quantity, and that yeah, was yeah. like I wrote my set list specifically to grab people by surprise because I knew yeah. that obviously you're doing like this heavy blues type deal, so people are going to be expecting that. Obviously, I've not got like the overdrive or the percussion, so it's like, what can I do in my set to of course, just yeah. like do the heaviest songs, hit them hard. And then I've been tweaking it just ever since. Obviously, Birmingham, everyone snapped strings, so that didn't <laughs> yeah, help yeah. anyone's set. <laughs> but it is, it's trying to, like, what's going to stop people. And the fun thing about the Glasgow one was even though the doors opened as I was playing, <laughs> um, it was, like, how many people are going to start getting to turn around? And how mm -hmm. many people are going to start actually getting to pay attention to this and get engaged with it? And that is, like, the fun thing. As you know, you're starting to win people over. Yeah, and then you realise what works and then you use it again. It works again and, like, you know what I mean? There's little things you can do that just build it up, you know? And it's, uh, yeah, it's it's fun, isn't it? It's yeah. fun working these things out and then playing them and then doing them and then you kind of know, you almost know what's going to happen. It's like you have a you can predict the future of, of yeah. half an hour of you being on stage because, you know, if you do this, this and this, you get a round of applause and you get a really good reaction. Mm. If you do this and this and this, they don't like it. You know, whatever it is, yeah. you can predict, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And it gives you kind of like a confidence to it because, you know, you like as a musician, you grapple with like feeling like you're shit mm. most times. Yeah. So when you can like kind of know that what you're doing is good enough to get a response pretty much every time, no matter where you are, it just starts giving you a bit more of like a currency to be able to take them risks. Mm -hmm. And it gives you a confidence to know, well, this is probably going to work. So let's just like expand on it more and keep trying to exceed that expectation. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Yeah, just trying to exceed that expectation um, and always looking for those things. There's never a limit, you know what I mean? There's never a threshold. Yeah. You know, because of the, you know, if, even if you reach that, what you think is that threshold, that limit, you're going to get bored playing the same stuff yeah. all the time, playing the same show, you know, it has to evolve and change at some point to something else, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah, trying to keep your own interest. Because if you, if you get bored, then they're going to get bored, you know what I mean? Mm. It's, yeah, and what's kind of been like the feedback from the shows? Obviously, like you've been doing all like at the end of it, you've been taking pictures with everyone and submitting yeah. things. What's kind of have you been blown away by that response of people coming over to you? Because it's been a really, from what I've seen of it, it's a really positive reaction. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Um, yeah, I mean, like it's it's yeah, it's been interesting to me to to have that. I've never had that experience before of being treated like I'm a like a professional musician I mm. suppose you know what I mean like as, uh, after busking gigs I would get people come up to me and speak to me at the end but it was never in this way I was never treated as as like someone who's going to be famous for no. example there's a you difference know? I think it's like with the street thing and when you're playing like an unknown gig people kind of come up to you and they're still like it's not necessarily a condon, con, like they're not condescending to you but they're like no. oh well done I really enjoyed that Yeah. I didn't think I'd enjoy that but when you're in a venue and it's like you've travelled there's like and wait to you that people like have like a respect for even mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. yeah they just kind of respect it a bit more with like it being in a different venue and stuff I think as as well it's like 
on the street and you just see some hippie just absolutely smash a rock blues show it's it's a bit more like a magical experience like who even is this guy no one mm. even fucking knows like it's not even a, like fucking is it that's not really what it's about it's just like you just had a moment probably yeah. not going to happen again kind of thing or it might happen again if you cross pass through this town you know a lot of people that you're busking to are tourists you know yeah. um so i don't know what's going on in their heads but but whatever it is they just think they just had a really sick time they, they don't think much more of it whereas in in a gig people are following you you yeah. know so they come to see you they've watched all your videos blah, blah, blah. um and yeah there's a bit more of that kind of starstruck kind of thing yeah. going on you know what i mean um whereas on the street they've never seen you before you're just some hippie mm. you know <laughs> so it's like yeah it's it's, it's 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 just different i suppose um yeah it's, it's just it's just a different experience when you meet the people at the end and they meet you you know i guess it's because they've got in a gig they've as i say they've been they've been following your social media they've seen you many many times before so it's just it's it's a different concept they may even have an idea of who, what you're like yeah you know what i mean um whereas when it's on the street it's completely fresh it's new what they what they've seen is that they've met you that day and that's what it is mm. you know so yeah yeah is it weird to have that kind of meeting someone in the area and have a preconception of you because i know obviously with your social media like i've seen some of the comments like it was even that picture you put up the other day where you had like a joint and someone guy was like please don't smoke <laughs> and it's like it's weird to see someone care that much about someone they may not necessarily have like met and is that yeah. preconception like a hard thing to deal with online and like at gigs i honestly don't give a shit <laughs> i've had people have preconceptions about me my whole life and they can continue that as long as they want yeah. it's never going to change the way i am um yeah i mean like you know it's yeah it's, i've i've I'm trying to think if I had anyone because on social media people do it all the time it's amazing social media is like this you know they've got like the um, they've got this like wall of armour around them yeah. they can say what they want they can do what they want they can take liberties on any kind of level and <laughs> people do on social media it's a fucking atrocious uh, whereas in reality face to face people very rarely say yeah. tell you what to do with your life yeah. you know what I mean um, so I'm trying to think of has anyone actually said anything on, on of that kind of nature no i don't think they have I, people have pe everyone who i've met has been really really nice mm. and really really polite um yeah there hasn't there hasn't really been i mean most people look take one look at me and they make a good enough judgment and think yeah he probably does smoke cannabis you know what <laughs> i mean probably you know it's not my business to tell him not to or, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah yeah I'm trying to think what the question was now <laughs> i've been rambling yeah. but that reminds me i drove past a cannabis cafe here Oh yeah, and I don't know, like, because it's not legal in Scotland or anything, so I want to know what the fuck they're selling. Fuck no, it's probably just CBD stuff. Yeah. I reckon. Yeah, I mean, I think for very like posh clubs, I think it is legal. Oh, yeah. I've only heard about this. I've never been to them. I've only because you know Theresa May's husband sells it. Yeah, he grows it and sells it. So I don't know how that fucking works. I don't know what loopholes are going up with them. It's just if you're rich enough to get away with it, I guess. Basically, it's I think bullshit, that's man. how it works. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I drove past it and it's like it was a full like storefront with like the pot leaf on it yeah like cannabis coffee house and bakehouse and I was like the fuck what? yeah what the fuck are you guys yeah, selling yeah, yeah. but yeah I'm like trying to track it down at some point but I'll yeah. probably be disappointed <laughs> well as I say like CBD is legal yeah. I've bought that online and that's completely legal and that's it doesn't really taste like the real McCoy though that's the thing I was trying to do that so I wasn't high so often <laughs> it's a bit much if you're too high all the time yeah um so yeah i was trying to like cut down that and then trying to yeah, cut down the thc and trying to get on the cbd so it might just be a cbd place yeah. you know what i mean i've seen those uh, those places before i've never seen a cafe though yeah yeah 
we've got to check it out man yeah i'll give it a google <laughs> but we're coming up to it's been 30 minutes we've got sound checking like 15 minutes or so, so i don't want to keep you like too long but with i wanted to hit your songwriting process because it wasn't until we were talking the other day and you talked about like new metal mm. being like an influence on you yeah for sure and it was when i was listening to like heavy because there's that riff with like the high is it the because you have like five strings with the tunings it's the high yeah. f is it or is it the high b yeah is what the high the, the little thin string yeah so you're talking about that would be a b yeah so it's that, like, that reminded me of like a corn yeah style song and i think it was in steam it's like it's got that new metal yeah, vibe yeah, yeah. to it do you write like riff first or is it you know as and when with saving the song what yeah it's um it's, yeah mainly riff kind of first um it's very rare that i'll have the beat first but sometimes it can be a beat and then a, a riff goes on mm. on top uh, because the, the or the the riff was inspired by the beat you know what i mean um but yeah i mean i i it's, it's, it is kind of new metal inspired very new metal inspired mm. except the the instruments are like more sort of blues rock instruments yeah. you know the vintage stuff with vintage tone yeah you know but with these more like metal new metal riffs mm. which gives it its own vibe you know which um yeah that's kind of what i go for mm. really that's that's the, that's the idea is like changing the instruments but having similar kind of bass riffs almost almost sounds like a new genre if you will you yeah. know or, or something it just sounds different you know um but yeah, um, what was I gonna say on that? Yeah, I think that's it. Because <laughs> yeah, I think with blues kind of being like the starting point of rock and metal, it's like if you start adding the electric guitars, the mm. amps and stuff, like blues slowly, you can see it evolve into metal. But what mm. you've kind of done is taken that metal and then the blues into it, and you can see kind of like the mean point where it goes back down towards that's it. the blues of it all. Yeah, well they are similar, you know what I mean? They are similar. like. I've sometimes had a, like a blues riff and then just as like a, a breakdown for the mid late or whatever you just take it a bit metal and it's like oh that works with that that's yep. interesting blues and metal can work together you know they've mm. just got to find the meeting point yeah. you know and it's the same with like stoner rock and uh, and doom rock they can go into blues yeah. they're very easily going into blues you know the softer the rock is the easier it is to go to blues but even the heaviest of metal can also be mixed yeah. in with blues you know mm. And folk music as well. Folk music is, I think that's what, because people often say it was, it comes, metal and rock comes from blues, but I think it, there's a lot of folk instruments mm. in, um, influence into rock and metal because, like, the chord progressions, they're not all 12 bars. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of folk in there. There's a lot of folk. And if you listen to old school folk like Pentangle, Fairport Convention, you know, these guys inspired Led Zeppelin, which then inspired yeah. Black, you know, and, and Black Sabbath, and they were the, the originators of, of metal, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, there's all different types of chord progressions at hand at use, and they can work within each other. I think mm. you know, folk and blues can work together, and therefore like metal, you know, and, and stone and rock, and then back to folk again. It can all yeah. be jumbled up, you yeah. know. Definitely, and with your lyrics, obviously, you've you're socially conscious, and you've got like a mind for like the political things you've done, like the extinction yeah, yeah. protests and stuff. With lyrics, do you try and find a balance between like? the social political commentary things and like the more just straight up like blues songs like inspired lyrics like what's kind of your thought process after you've got the riff and the beat what do you see after that for the lyrics um it depends i try and listen to the melody and see what it sounds like if it sounds like angry and aggressive then i'll mm. try and voice something within me that is bit angry and aggressive um, if it's more chilled, then I'll try and go with a chilled yeah. vibe. Uh, 
But it depends, man. It's fucking, sometimes it's, it's trying to find a subject to write about. It's, it's hard. It's like, what actually moves me enough to put pen to paper? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I often find just like writing about girls is just a cop-out because it's so easy to do, you yeah. know? Try and write about other things. But if the song, you know, feels girly or it feels like, you know, that kind of romantic thing or even yeah. just it feels just sexual in some way, mm. then, yeah, then that's the right yeah. time to write about it. But when it's not and it feels something else, I try and use another topic, you know? Um, and in terms of, like, social and political, it's like I try and pick them very carefully. And sometimes mm. I look back and I'm like, ah, well, maybe I should, should have written that about something else, you know what I mean? Mm. But, yeah, you very carefully pick those... Um, pick the right melody for that topic, you know what I mean? I, I, I try to because... If you just do every song about that, then you just it just sounds like you're preaching. Yeah. You know, I don't want to sound like I'm preaching at all. I've just everyone has got their own opinions and ideas of what, what what's going on. Mm. I'm lucky enough to have a platform to express that. So when I feel it's the right time, I will do. Yeah. You know. Um, and yeah, I've just got to try and make sure it is the right time. You know when you've got it right. You definitely know when you got it wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because with songs like it's commercial people. That's like. Yeah quite one of those ones where it's like a commentary thing is do you remember specifically like when you came to write that one mm. if there was a certain event or something that inspired that one I think because um, I think probably busking in the streets of London doesn't help like you have to like you see mm. those type of people around and stuff so you've been yeah. saturated in that for a while when you're playing yeah. around yeah yeah definitely I think it's just a number of experiences led to that song to be honest with you I think it was a number of experiences and um yeah, just just seeing how mainstream people act like a fucking herd, mm. literally like a herd of sheep, like a herd of animals or something. They all follow one another. No one makes up their own mind, and it's they're in, it's very instinctually done out of yeah. fear. Um, there's not a lot of bravery no. from the herd. Uh, there's not a lot of courage. Uh, there's actually not a lot of humanity, actually, which mm. is why I've became quite angry towards that. And it's almost like they're not doing it out consciously. They're not joining the herd, the mainstream flock or whatever it is, consciously. They're doing it because it makes life easier to yeah. fit in. It makes life better for them to fit in. Not because it's right or not. It's yeah. why people voted for Hitler. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is, this is, this is yeah. what it is, you know? There's been times where I've been on the street, right, busking. I played a show, and when the show's over, they, they, they literally stand there at the front row, the whole crowd, and they'll be filming you the whole time. That's what they'll do. And um, people will come over to me and go, oh, look, we were filming, and halfway through the show, some we caught it on camera, a guy just went and took some money out of your case. And I'm busy playing. I didn't even notice the guy. Mm. just went and took a few notes. And I was like, you're filming this. Why didn't you stop him? Yeah. And there's three of you approaching me. They had no words for me. Fuck. No words whatsoever. I was like, fuck. So anyways, the, the guy came back later on that day because he's an idiot and I managed to get him on the floor and fucking do whatever I need to do. But um, later on that day, my mate who was busking, exactly the same thing happened. This, the same guy, he came back and he, he robbed the, my mate's uh, passport out of his bag. Fuck. And people filmed it and showed it to him afterwards. It's pathetic. That's it's fucking pathetic. That's fucking awful, man. And it is just like cowardly. And I guess it's cowardly, yeah. The survival instinct that you don't want to rock the boat, but at the expense of another fucking human as well. It's not. It's not hard just to just to stand up and go, "Oi, he's stealing your money." Yeah. You don't have to put your risk your neck. You just have to say something. Yeah. You know. And this is something I've encountered on the street, literally nearly every weekend, of people's cowardice from the mm. mainstream crowd and just normal people. In general, the flock, the masses, you know, and also learning how to 
control the crowd and get a crowd in the first place, you have to understand how the herd works. Mm. You know, you do something and some people stop and then other people will st start to watch because they're watching. Not because of what you're doing, but because yeah. of they're watching, you know. But once you convince them that what the reason they're watching is good, then you can win every single one of them. Yeah. And the best street show is when they win every single person, not because of curiosity, but because what you're doing is good. Yeah. You know, and once you win them, another interesting thing happens. I remember there was this, this one time at a street show where there's this guy used to, in Brick Lane, he used to do, he used to dance when I played and his dancing was a bit out there. It was a bit, you know, mm. he wasn't dancing in a manly way. He was dancing, I don't know, in a funny, silly way. I don't mm. know, you, you couldn't really explain it. Anyways, some other dude walked past, uh, walked through the crowd and started having a go at him for being homosexual. Or he started claiming that the mm. guy was homosexual and he had a problem with that, or something like that, you know. And um, I saw what was happening and he was getting a bit aggressive and like headbutting him a little bit and just being a yeah, really like, yeah. abusive. And again, whole crowd of people, maybe about 80 people, everyone watching, doing nothing. I'm playing a fucking song here. Anyways, I stopped my song to tell the guy, you can't do that, you know, stop being a dick. And uh, it keeps going, you know, even though I'm telling, oi, stop, what the fuck are you doing? Stop, stop, stop. And then I realized, hang on a minute, and all the whole crowd are watching me. So I thought, hang on a minute, maybe I could, I, I had them won by this point. I knew that they, they, they you know, they were listening to every mm. word I said. I, I then told the entire crowd to boo this guy. The whole crowd did immediately what I said and they, we booed him. And the guy had walked away because he couldn't handle the... Yeah, the public shame of yeah, it. Yeah, the public shame, exactly. So it's interesting, once you've won this crowd, you can actually use them to do things, you know, but mm. they won't actually act for themselves. No. Very, very few people are actors as individuals in this world. Most people act as followers and, yeah. and, and have a herd-like thing. And once you realise that, and it's not like something that is like, you know... Um, yeah, it's, it's just something that, that it is the case, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's nature, maybe it's just how it works, you know? I don't yeah. know. It's strange, man, because, like, cults form for a reason. There is yeah. just that thing in some humans or in some people that they need that stronger leadership or that stronger presence to tell them what to do yeah. and stuff. And it's a, it's a weird thing, man, but it's sad that it's, always, like, it's at the expense of someone else. Yeah, absolutely. I think it just makes life easier in a way, but mm. to follow rather than to lead yourself, you know? Yeah. Um, because when you lead yourself, sometimes you can feel like very, very alone, you know, and that, that feeling of just being uh, self-reliant, which I like to be self-reliant. I try and live my life to be self-reliant. I try and lead myself as much as I can. But at the same time, yeah, there are aspects of it that is extremely lonely, mm. you know what I mean? I'm feeling like you haven't got anyone, yeah. you know, or no direction. If you don't know where you're going and you're meant to be leading yourself, yeah pretty heavy to be honest with you yeah you know? and i think a lot of it sometimes i think if you're a musician or you're an entertainer or something you've put yourself on that ledge you realize yeah. that the worst thing that can happen if you put yourself on in front of a bunch of people is people just look at you and then move on yeah but it, a lot of people have that like anxiety of if i say something now my life's going to be over mm. and that's a lot it's a fear that i think prevents a lot of people from speaking out against something that's not right or they see something that is happening and they just don't want to get involved with it would well, you know what mate i don't even know if it's fear i don't know if it even crosses their brain mm. after all, all my experience of it i think literally like some people it will be fear i think it's different you know there's yeah. a wide spectrum do you know what i mean but a lot of the time i think it literally is it doesn't even enter their heads it doesn't even enter their heads they what they watch it they are passively watching yeah. something unfold a violent situation someone getting mistreated or someone getting taken advantage of and they mm. will watch it as though they're watching television yeah no that's a really interesting point it is like it's a you passive yeah. audience to it that's what I've noticed definitely Man, mm. the, the masses tend to do that more than anything else um, 
And it's interesting as well, the moment one person steps in, then we go, oh, he steps in. It must be all right then. Yeah. So I'll step in and stand up for what's right. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? You can have a knock-on effect. Yeah. You know? Um, I think people behaving badly as well and, and mistreating others. I've seen that on the street with someone mistreating someone. Another person will see that and go, oh, he's getting away with that. Oh, I can do that. I can get away with that. And it has a knock-on effect. Mm. You know, when there's um, natural disasters and catastrophes like hurricanes and stuff, there's often loads of rapes, loads of violent crime yeah. happens exactly the same time because people see a loophole and go, oh, there's all this other madness going on. I can get away with this. And then yeah. other people see that happen. So they go, oh, I can get away with it. It's, whole, it's awful, man. It's like a knock-on effect. Who's in charge? That's yeah. what I want to know. Yeah. You know? And then the second someone says no one, it's just like a free-for-all. Yeah. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. But it's like, you know, yeah, who's the one that makes the decision? Is it the second person after they've seen someone do something and they think, oh, I'll copy that? Or is it the first person? Mm -hmm. who, who had the idea in the first place? Yeah. And where's all fucking come from? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, man. Yeah, it is <laughs> fucking weird. But with self-reliance, so... That van that you're touring out of now, yeah. is that like your main like place to stay and stuff? Um, while I'm touring, yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's the tour van. But I've got another truck that I lived in for like four years, and that one, which is like um, a seven and a half ton horse box. Oh yeah. And then I've yeah yeah, and that was um, yeah it's uh, yeah it's a bit more kitted out. Mm. I'd say it's like a bit of a hobbit house kind of style thing. Uh, and I've lived in a van before that, which was a three and a half ton Luton horse box. Mm. And then before that, it was a camper van. Um, and then before that, it was just a normal van. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's been a few different wagons as time has gone on. Um, but yeah, I've tried. To, I've been. I've been trying to be self reliant. Um, I guess I am self reliant now. And uh, but when I started this whole journey was when I was when I was twenty, and I started to move onto the road. Mm. Um. But yeah, it takes time to actually be... And even still, am I really self-reliant? Fucking hell, I'll go to Tesco's, you know what I yeah. mean? What is self-reliance? Is it like literally living in the woods with a bow and arrow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How far do we take this shit, man? Yeah, is the, has there been things like living in the vans and stuff and touring in them that's like made you like less materialistic? And with that self-reliance, it gives you a stronger sense of self and mm. identity because obviously you're with your own company the most. Yeah. Have you kind of discovered that about yourself, that that's something you not necessarily just craved but needed to find out about yourself i think i've i think yeah i've i've always wanted to be somewhat self-reliant i've always liked the idea of just like you know i don't really want anyone's help mm. if possible and obviously the system and civilization is everyone helping everyone you know there isn't really that many yeah. people living by themselves and even still if you try to do that you are probably going to be needing some supplies from civilization yeah so I've kind of liked the idea, but I think it's a bit of a, a, fa a false kind of. Um, I don't think it. I don't think it really properly works. Mm. You know, what I mean, you need to have a team of people. I don't think humans can actually survive completely on their own. No. You know, and if you are, it's a full-time fucking job. So I better give up being a musician. <laughs> you know, but I think like certain things, it's good to to rely upon yourself, and not necessarily because just to do them. For example, like you know, not being part of the the nation toilet system or being part of the electric grid system. Mm. You know what I mean? And having certain things that you just do yourself simply because the technology is there and you can. Yeah. Uh, but also the, the lifestyle that comes with it. I can go wherever I want, man. Yeah. You know, I can go to somewhere in the fucking mountains or in the woods or something, and I don't mind that I fucking, you know what I mean, take a shit in the bushes, you know what I mean, <laughs> or have to rig up my solar or rig up my um, my 12 volt electric yeah. in the van. You know, it means that I can go there and I can be there and I can escape from whatever fucking bullshit's happening around here, mm. get away from people, you know what I mean? It's, it allows me, it gives me that freedom. 
freedom is the most important thing yeah. to me mm. you know um, I'd say even above being anti-establishment or anti-system to be honest with you just yeah. being able to be free and you could even argue that the civilization and the system allows me to be freer so so why am I against it you know in a way yeah. and I, I think in a way that's probably true you yeah. know but again it's with how the system and society is rigged you have to try and find whatever you can to exist within that in like the happiest in a way and like most responsible way and if that involves like breaking out of it to a degree because I don't think you can ever truly go fully off the grid especially in like the UK and stuff because people have like private lands are things so it's just a yeah almost an impossibility yeah there's not enough land in the UK but there's no it's not illegal to do so no you know um and there are certain things you can forage and there are certain creatures that you can hunt you know what I mean with an air rifle mm. uh, so you could kind of break away completely but do you want to yeah it's actually easier to like you know do something you love like even just like busking or something and then live off the money you make from that it's not very much you don't need very much to live on the yeah. road and once you make enough money then you just you know you, you do your food shop and then you live your lifestyle and you've got more time on your hands to live your lifestyle yeah. whatever that is you know what I mean um, so yeah, I think, as I say, it's, it's it's more about, it's less the anti-system thing, but more of the freedom thing, yeah. which is really what it's about, the lifestyle, yeah. you know? Um, a lot of people who claim to be kind of like anti the system, in a way the system benefits them, you know? And when I have this conversation with them, I was like, well, what are you going to do without the system? What are, yeah. You know, what are you actually going to do? You know, do you actually, if you really want to live outside the system, then you've got to grow your own food, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do all this other stuff. It's, it's going to take your whole life. And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. And they never do it. No. Because it's too, they actually rather do the job they're doing or whatever it is, you know what I mean? And complain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> rather than, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's the reality of the situation, I yeah. think, you know. I think it's not so much, people aren't anti the system because of the, what the system is. I think people are anti the system because of um, how some decisions that politicians yeah. make that they have no control over. Uh, the fact they have no control over the system, you know, is is, is a bit of a yeah. bit of an issue. And there's certain problems within the system, but the system in itself. Have you got a better idea? Well, yeah. if you want to go back to tribal times, fucking go for it, man. But it's fucking hard work. Mm. The reality is, it's hard work. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think yeah, it's. Little gratitude sometimes is yeah. in order, yeah. you know. Little yeah. gratitude, um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been thinking. I read a story the other week about like, do you know when it's like shopkeepers re- reveal the weirdest stories mm. ever and shit? One of those, and someone was like in a fucking Walmart or something, and some guy came out into the place to buy something and didn't have a mask on. Everyone was like, "You need a mask. You need a mask. You need a mask." And he was like, "Why? What the fuck's going on?" And he'd been like living up in the mountains for like two years. And he'd just come down to do a supply run. And he found out about the pandemic and shit. Amazing. And I was like, that guy must be so fucked. He was like, I, I should have just fucking stayed up there. <laughs> to c- come back and then have to realise, like, all the shit that's happening in society. I, I felt bad for that guy to just, like... Like, it was like waking up from a coma. And being like, uh, yeah, oh, man. fuck, all this bad shit's happened. And so what, has he run up there and now it's kind of chilled out? He's still, obviously... Yeah, he's, just, it, he, he's done his supply run and gone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next time he comes down, was he going to be like... Oh, is it is it still going on? Still, you know, just tiptoeing around a place. Yeah. <laughs> we've yeah, all moved on. It's like on. that. Um, 
Japanese soldier who was in the jungle and thought World War Two was still going on, and he was in like his fifties. And it was like 1970, and they had to try and get him out the jungle. That's the problem. Your news like ends the moment you left society. Yeah. You think the world's still going to be doing exactly the same shit that happened on the day that you left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's crazy, man. But let's wrap this up, and we'll fucking safe, dude. Find uh, the cannabis cafe and yeah, do, yeah, do sound yeah. check. And there we have it, folks. That's episode 41 of Into the Van, Into the Bag. Thank you so much. Please go check out Cam Cole. He is fucking phenomenal. I'm sure he'll be doing another UK tour soon. If you didn't catch him on this one, you missed out. But there will always be hope he will be back again. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go check out, you know, all the episodes we've done prior. Please leave me a review wherever you can leave a review, wherever you listen to podcasts. Keep doing the things you love. Keep supporting the things you love. I'll see you when I'm married. I hope you have an enjoyable couple of weeks. There is an announcement on Rogue Country today. Please go check out. It is fucking phenomenal. Uh, tickets are going to go on sale on the Friday. So Tuesday, we've got the announcement. Friday, we've got the sale. What's going on sale, guys? I know you guys don't yet, but please keep an eye out on Rogue Country to find out. And in the meantime, stay safe. Peace.